Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Outcast Catholic. This is Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. And we're happy to be here with you. Uh, we hope you enjoyed last episode's Sister Sister Carolyn. Mm-hmm. Well, just, just one episode now. Yep. We had our first batch of technical difficulty. And I got to say, Father Shane, I'm a little embarrassed because I was being all cocky when we were recording with Sister, and I said, you know, we haven't had one episode go wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was karma, because I don't know if I believe in that, but I think the Lord we was don't. probably <laughs> giving me a big, heavy dose of humble pie Yeah, um, just to show me that, you know, we do have mistakes sometimes. We did. We lost an episode. A great episode, really. Probably the best. One of the best. You'll never know. <laughs> Um, this is just a tribute to that wonderful episode that we the had. audio file is corrupted. So terribly sorry, sister. So terribly sorry. We had a great time jamming with now, her. Now we just have an excuse to bring her back. We do. So we can have the discussion again. The encore. The encore, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, um, it was fun recording because after we recorded with Sister Carolyn, uh, we had some students there. We did. We some, had about thirty students who wanted to kind of do some discernment talks with Sister, figuring yeah. out their own kind of religious vocation perhaps, right, and how they discern where the Lord is calling them. And Father Travis, um, there was a whole adventure to that. There was. There was a... there was a horizon that came out of the yeah, Jays of Lamar's game yeah. that I hadn't seen before. I wasn't a big fan of that. So I was like... I wonder why. I was pretty excited because I brought 20 girls from my high school to kind of show up at Healing, which, yeah, no, well done. Uh, <laughs> Lady Jays, well well done, uh, Galen girls. Um, that's a nice alliteration there, Galen yeah. girls, Galen gals. Um, Who wanted to get out of school. Well, yes, and free free Jimmy Johns was a good lure. Yes. Um, but they did have some really good questions for they sister, did. and I think that was it was a beautiful conversation. They did. However, there was this moment when your healing students left, went back to class, mm-hmm. and then it's really just you were cleaning up, and it's just Sister Carolyn, myself, and then all 21 girls and my youth minister and campus minister, and all of a sudden this attitude just kind of flared up Claws and came all out. of a sudden it became time to like, let's just completely like throw father Crotty under the bus where he belongs and just drive back and forth over him in front of sister Carolyn. Mm-hmm. Like, where is this coming from? You sweet, be- beautiful children. Why are you treating <laughs> your beloved chaplain like this? Maybe not so beloved. And Oh my gosh, the, the dude was just unbelievable. The attitude was through the roof. Well, maybe it's a compliment. Maybe they have just grown so accustomed to you they're so that they can receive it and give it equally. I think that's the case. Probably. It was it was good, yeah. And, and okay, have I shot some Nerf guns at them in the hall? Have I, you know, thrown them off guard by throwing a football at them in the hall? Maybe, but just, I try to keep on their toes, you know? <laughs> Who wants to be in boring old high school? Who wants fun high school? That's yes, because we know that the theological chaplain of the school must also be responsible for improving their you know, morale re- reflex reactions. Well, absolutely. Right. Yeah. When you're not getting in the watch game, out, here comes a football. You got to get it somewhere else. Pay right? attention. That's right. Yeah. Be aware and alert. That's what I'm trying to offer. Mm-hmm. Was that your advent theme? It wasn't, but it, maybe next year. Stay ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
You know what? <laughs> Never mind. Maybe I won't go there. I, Moving maybe on. Maybe I haven't missed some of those songs we haven't been singing during Moving, this COVID time. Yeah. Anyway. Moving on. Father Shane, I was having this conversation with somebody recently. And back to just this whole outcast theme of our podcast. Mm-hmm. Somebody who feels particularly outcast from the faith because doubts have arisen in their life and a lot of questions have arisen. And frankly for them, the Catholic faith, the Christian religion, and frankly, deism or belief in God doesn't make any sense. Okay, They feel quite outcast from their community, from their family, from the people that are around them, right, in our Midwest culture here, because they just can't wrap their mind around how Christianity's claims could be true. Mm-hmm. The context of this conversation of a Catholic priest and an, frankly, an atheist, right, a professing atheist, is that what they said was, how am I supposed to believe something that a man has said. So he said, there's all these, the person said, there's all these questions that are always asked by everybody around the world. And lots of people give answers. Lots of men, lots of men and women, lots of human beings give answers for these perennial questions. And how are we supposed to put all of our trust in just one human being? There's no way one human being could know the truth of all of these, all these questions. He said, and I, I, I couldn't put my trust in just this human being and accept this ideology that was created by a human being. And I said, I agree. Because the thing is, ouch, I know, right? And, <laughs> and yeah, there's more conversations to be had, but it didn't. Um, the reality is, I don't believe that some man just came up with this ideology called Christianity mm-hmm. and that it's got all the answers for the world. Right. I don't believe that, right? Right. Um, the philosophy we've studied prior to the theology, we've looked at, okay, what are the perennial questions that everybody in every age has asked the deepest questions of meaning of human existence of human life and how have people tried to answer those and what has been true, what's been good and what's been beautiful out of those answers. That's what philosophy seeks. Mm -hmm. But we believe in profess in Christianity is that Jesus wasn't just some man. No fact he was, yeah, fully man, but he was also God the son mm-hmm. of God, but the second person of the Trinity who reveals man to himself, right? Who mm-hmm. reveals God to man. And it has had me thinking about this interesting little trilemma that C.S. Lewis put together in his book, Mere Christianity, mm-hmm. um, talking about Jesus as Lord, liar, or lunatic. You're mm-hmm. familiar with this little I am, breakdown? Yes. Basically what C.S. Lewis says is Jesus made pretty clear claims that he was God that he was the son of God, meaning that he was God. He didn't just say, I'm a great moral teacher, follow my wonderful moral teachings, and you'll have a great happy life. Look at me, I'm a guru. Right, he didn't say that. No guru, no. He claimed, I'm God. So C.S. Lewis says, either he's right, and he's the Lord of our life, and we should follow him and give him everything, right? And he'll lead us to eternal life in heaven. Or he's a liar. Right. Right. Because And who wants to follow that? Nobody wants to follow a liar. And if you're a liar, you can't be a really good moral teacher. No, not going to work so well. Well, if he's not Lord, if he's not God, if he's not telling the truth and he's a liar, then he's clearly crazy and he's a lunatic because he thinks he's God and he tells people that he is. So what C.S. Lewis offers is this trilemma. He's either Lord, liar, or lunatic. And what some people, some of the new atheists have brought in, maybe a fourth thing, a trilemma, quattro lemma, I don't know. Uh, maybe he's just a legend, right? Maybe somebody named Jesus of Nazareth existed, but 
his his existence and his story just became a legend that was perpetuated by his followers, right? Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't that like he didn't really claim to be God, but it, kind of the legend perpetuated that he did claim to be God, right? So Lord liar or lunatic, or maybe a legend, right. but really Lord liar lunatic. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that? Well, starting with the last one with legend, um, you could obviously point to maybe Pliny the Younger, Josephus the Jewish historian, right. historical figures who have written documents of uh, this Jesus of Nazareth outside of sacred scripture. Mm-hmm. So for those who say he's a legend, you know, I, I do think we have, you know, it's not vast libraries, but we do have some evidence mm-hmm. that this was a historical being, regardless of the, the testimony of Christians. Um, and then, of course, we've already done an episode talking about the, the credibility of human testimony. Right. So if you want to call him a legend, okay, explain to me how three centuries of Christians jumped on board with the moral teachings of this legend and then died for this legend as a martyr. You know, who wants to shed their blood for a legend? And the earliest followers of this legend as well. Mm -hmm. Not just the ones in the third or fourth century, but the first ones, in fact. Yeah, the very first ones. All of them died in the, you know, in the, in the very heart of the Roman Empire, well, they didn't all die in Rome, but they right. died in that context. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And in terms of a lunatic, um, you know, Chesterton you, you used to point this out as well. Um, lurid derision, I think, is the phrase that Chesterton used. Mm. Because you, you, when you actually open up scriptures, and I would challenge kind of the interlocutor that you were talking to right. recently, this atheist, you know, to sit down and just actually read scripture like it's a piece of literature, even if you don't feel like you can enter into this like it's an inspired word of God from right. the Holy Spirit. Sit down and just read it as a piece of literature. And I think you're going to have to answer some pretty difficult questions that um, when this Jesus of Nazareth runs through the temple with whipping cords and overturning tables and driving the money changers out of the temple, is, you know, that type of behavior when you're trying to kind of create a new empire and get a group of followers right not perhaps maybe the most tactful way to go about things Mm -hmm. Uh, so does that make him a lunatic or when he says things you know in john's gospel you know unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood you do not have life within you well read that as a piece of literature and i think you're going to have to answer some tough questions Mm. either god can say that or we're dealing with a lunatic right and this is where it comes into with the liar portion and the lunatic portion as well in our post-christian kind of secular society that we're that we're living in right now. Not that it's coming up, that we're like very much steeped in right now. Mm-hmm. That produces this experience of feeling outcast, right? At either in the church or outside the church, is that Christianity has shaped Western culture. So there are certain things that we want to accept from the Judeo Christian culture that we think are good, just like kind of in our cultural milieu. Ten Commandments, great thing, right? The Beatitudes, really nice thing Jesus said, right? The kind of idea that we need to like love our enemies and pray for those who, who hurt us or that we need to love everybody without counting the cost. We need to offer ourselves for other people. Yeah, those are good teachings from Jesus. And I think most people in our culture would say, oh, yeah, those are great teachings. He was a really good teacher. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll decide. Is he a really good teacher or is he crazy? Because good teachers aren't crazy, like, right. I mean, maybe crazy professors, maybe like the, you know, wild hair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> usually they're not like out of their mind, like actually like insane. Right. Um, and we, we don't trust somebody who lies to us. So like you, you can't have just like these great teachings and then also just be like, oh yeah, I've, I'm actually lying about this whole thing that I'm God, but mm-hmm. I do have all these other nice teachings. 
It's a whole package deal. But you know, Father Crotty, you just don't get it. You just don't get it. It's just so much easier to admire a great teacher from a distance and not have to like sign up. It is. You know, it's so much easier just to say, oh, those are kind of rich teachings, but I can admire them from a safe distance like I admire art at the museum. Right. That's much easier. You just don't get it, Father. No, you're, you're totally right. But I think to, to respond to that is to say, and it's a lot easier to just kind of like kind of numb out in your life and not ask the deepest questions of life. Mm-hmm. And it's fair. It's fair to question the status quo of a post-Christian society with a lot of Christians that aren't living out their faith to the full, right? Or a lot of misconceptions of what Christianity is and what it proclaims to be because of the kind of watered-down experience that it's that it's become. But it's a lot easier just to ignore the deepest questions of that, that humans have already, always struggled with. Why is there something rather than nothing? Mm-hmm. What's the meaning of my life? What is going to happen when my families die and when I die? What, what's going to happen? Is there life after death? How do you explain different miracles and things that have seemed to happen um, throughout history? How do you explain these credible witnesses of the martyrs? Things like that. It's a lot easier to ignore those deep questions, but things are inevitably going to happen in our life where those questions come up. Just in my first few months of priesthood, I'm already realizing like there's seasons in the church where it feels like, man, there's a lot of funerals or man, there's a lot of tragedy in the parish life and stuff like that. But what that's just reminded me is, yeah, because that's life. Like right. there's like, <laughs> turns out everybody's going to die and not to be super morbid during Lent, but it's mm-hmm. like, that's the reality. Right. And, and we, we will kind of have those moments in our life when family members die, when they get sick, when we struggle with our own um, weaknesses and limitations that we have to ask those questions eventually. And we could just, you know, choose to numb out with whatever our favorite, you know, pacifier on our phone might be mm-hmm. or we could actually maybe tick tock all day those. please yes please yeah because yes. that's really offers just like a really great place of peace and rest you know, so refreshing yeah absolutely yeah it would be interesting to see how many i don't know how we could ever get uh, data on this it'd be interesting to see how many atheists agnostics or people who are just feeling outcast in their faith during the pandemic have been forced to ask a few deeper questions not only because the the risk of mortality that it's standing there, staring them right in the face, as we're recording this, we've just passed you know five hundred thousand deaths right. of, um, of of COVID victims here in the United States. So it'd be interesting to see how many people have been forced to go a little deeper. I, I know as a vocation director, I encounter young people who have gone very deep in their prayer over these months because they've had they've had to enter into the silence, and that's actually been a welcomed gift for them. Right, but you do wonder. In the face of this suffering, in the face of the questioning, why is there a pandemic when there doesn't have to be? Why does each human spirit deep down within not want a pandemic? Yes. And where does that desire come from to always have health? Right. Um, and to be happy and to be connected with others. Right. In right. community. Yeah. As opposed to isolated one more night with Netflix. Um, it's, it's, I wonder how many people have been forced to ask the deeper questions. And maybe some are just a little terrified to ask the deeper questions for what it might cost them if they actually find the answers and therefore have to live according to those standards. Be assured, everybody, you can open up huge horizons of freedom and joy. Mm. <laughs> you really can with right. a life of discipline in following the truth. Right. But that does come with a life of discipline. Mm-hmm. And so that does move beyond kind of the comfortability of, you, as you say, just kind of numbing oneself to the surrounding world. Right. 
And I, I just want to make this appeal to those listening, especially who feel outcast or whose family members feel outcast, especially if there's, you know, like grandparents of children who've left the faith or parents of children who are in the process of leaving the faith or siblings who've left the faith, things like that. We don't have it all figured out as priests. And I think we've said this before, but there can be this idea of like, you think that your religion is perfect because some man came up with it and because you grew up with it, it's your perfect uh, solution for everything. Actually, the, the opposite's the fact, the, the, the truth. It's like, I, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is because of what he's done and how he's invited me into a relationship with him. That's unfolding. It's not just like this prepackaged thing of like, okay, here's what you believe as a Christian. Great, now just live your life. Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't like this whole package deal? Then, then don't live it. I, we don't, as priests, preach from a place of, well, we know everything, so we just want to, you know, mm-hmm. ladle it down to you. Uh, I've mastered all the virtues. Here's right. my 10 step program. You right. know, no, you that doesn't work with a community that's journeying together. Right. right. Yeah. Nor does it work with anyone who recognizes their own need for repentance, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the season of Lent. Right. So, so anybody listening out there who, who has like honestly, and I think it's good struggled and questioned the things of the faith that's been handed down to them. That's a good practice, but, to engage that questioning is to ask this question. I think it's to question. I just said it's the same thing, whatever. Mm-hmm. But C.S. Lewis offers this helpful kind of trilemma or diagram to put your question on, to hang your questions and your doubts on. Okay, instead of just kind of vaguely questioning or doubting the faith that's been handed on to you through your family, ask the questions, right? Who is Jesus? Who does he say he is? Who has he been credibly credibly shown through history to be, um, and and how do those how do those kind of vibe with my thoughts of him? How it's lived out in Christian communities, and if he really is Lord, if that's who he says he is and what he has been proven to be, then what does that demand of me? Mm-hmm. And my relationship with him, um, and I just make this appeal too: if you feel particularly outcast from an experience of belief in God, just start to pray. And ask God to reveal himself to you, even if he feels like the furthest away he could possibly be. Mm-hmm. That's that first step that can allow him a place in our life. Yeah, and even if you feel ridiculous saying that prayer, like, oh God, if you're really there, please hear me now. Right. I mean, yeah, if you just feel like you're talking to the abyss, go, go ahead, because right. he's there, okay? Right. He's in the abyss. In fact, there is no abyss. It's all him. Right. Um, so go ahead, even if you don't quite comprehend to whom or to what you're speaking to. And he can handle the questioning. Mm-hmm. Like he can handle the doubts. Sometimes there's this thought that we can't approach kind of this idea of God because, well, that doesn't make sense to me. God's bigger than our questions. He's bigger than our doubts. He's bigger than the death of our family members that we think is too, you know, we cannot be overcome because of um, our doubts of faith or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's bigger than that, and he wants to show himself present in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. Good words. Very encouraging. And I don't know if kind of the uh, the person you were dialoguing mm-hmm. with is going to be a listener to this, but hopefully these words are encouraging to all of our listeners or to those whom they encounter. Absolutely. Well, yeah, let's keep praying for all those who um, who, who are struggling with their faith and, and pray for those who who want God in their life in a, in a powerful way. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Father Travis. Good to be with you. Yeah, God bless. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.